It's no secret that a ton of Hollywood celebrities from Sylvester Stallone to Suzanne Somers and athletes pay thousands of dollars a month for these anti-aging HGH injections. But not only are human growth hormone injections prohibitively expensive, they can also screw up your body's natural HGH production and may lead to more serious health problems down the line. This is where BioPro comes in. BioPro is the faster, safer, easier, non-synthetic alternative to HGH therapy. These guys have developed cutting edge technology that delivers the benefits of HGH without the downsides of synthetic injections. This stuff helps with your metabolism, insulin sensitivity, libido. It helps with muscle development, fat loss, athletic performance, recovery, VO2 max, power, speed. It's fucking magic. It helps with almost everything. What I love about this stuff, I look and feel younger on it. So go to bioproteintech.com dot com and use coupon code biohacks and it will save you thirty dollars off your first month's supply that's b-i-o-p-r-o-t-e-i-n-t-e-c-h dot com and enter discount code biohacks to save this is your life and it's ending one minute at a time i was blind but now i see working jobs we hate so we buy shit we don't need ideas are brittle. if you had one shot Everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Dr. Michael Biamonte, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. I'm very honored to be here. I'm, I'm honored to have you and excited for this conversation because it's, it's especially relevant. We're going to be talking about a variety of things pertaining to health and human performance, but especially a fungal or yeast overgrowth known as candida. And I mentioned that that's especially relevant because we have been, we've, we've checked for that always with, with our one-on-one coaching clients, but now I'm seeing it 80 to 90% of the time when we look and at a much higher prevalence. Uh, but before we kind of get into candida and, and fungal overgrowth, maybe you could give us a little bit of your backstory uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work. Okay. I went to naturopathic school from 1980 to 1984. And when I got out of naturopathic school, I was interested in developing a computer which could interpret lab tests because that, that was my major, you could say, or my focus in naturopathic school is the interpretation of tests and different types of testing. So in my quest of finding people who could help me do this, I ended up coming across a group of men who were working at Grumman Aerospace on Long Island who were subcontracting for NASA. And what NASA wanted was a computer software program where you could load different tests on the, um, the astronauts, and the computer would tell you what vitamins or minerals the astronauts needed to take while they were in expended, extended space missions. The whole idea was to keep their bone density correct, keep their muscle mass correct, because grab weightless environments are different. Mm-hmm. So you need different amounts of vitamins and different vitamins, different nutrients when you're in a weightless environment. So I, mm-hmm. and to make a long story short, I worked with this group of people for almost 10 years constructing this, um, this software. And while we were using the software publicly with patients, we ran into some people who were, had weird reactions to the vitamin programs. And, um, 
it was very some of the some particular vitamins they they reacted to very oddly b complex vitamins um vitamin d copper calcium just had strange reactions and i started asking around to my colleagues asking them if they had found any patients with these kind of reactions they said yeah they did see some so i volunteered to investigate all these people to find out what the common denominators were and i eventually found out that they had some kind of imbalance in their intestinal flora and when mm-hmm. I when I researched further, I found out it was candida. Now, I was a doctor, alternative doctor in New York City at that time. We didn't really know much about candida. Dr. Atkins had talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. and some of my colleagues had talked about it. But as far as we we knew, candida was something from California that was a new age thing. We didn't really know. It was, just, it was mentioned in that song where they sing candida. We can, other than that, we didn't know much about it. Mm-hmm. So I investigated and I found out what it was. And then I told the patients that they needed to go to their doctor and get cured of this and then come back and we'll put them on the vitamin programs. Man, did I not know what I was doing back then. Patients went to the doctor. Doctor said there's no such thing as candida, all these crazy things. So they come back to me with these stories, and I said, well, go to see, go see Dr. Atkins or Dr. Hoffman, who were the, the most um, probably the, the principal alternative doctors at that time. This is back like in the 80s. And they told, came back and told me, well, wow, that was much better. They knew what I was talking about. And they said, yeah, it does exist. But the treatments they gave me didn't really work fully. So then I decided I was going to be the one who was going to find out exactly what it was all about. So I researched it for a few years. I really listened to what a lot of the patients said, compared what they said to what the textbooks told me on mycology and candida. And then I came up with a, an entire protocol to eliminate it. That's pretty much my, and I wrote a book about it, which is called The Candida Chronicles, you can get on Amazon, that guides the person through my whole journey and explains everything I found. So to help our listeners understand Candida, if, if they're not aware, um, I, I mentioned it's it's a fungal or a yeast overgrowth, and there's there's a lot of things involved. Many people believe that it's, it's related to nutrition. There's a a growing body of evidence that it's related to our electromagnetic environment. Many, many people do realize that that there's an interplay between radiation and, and the gut microbiome and the biotoxins that it produces. W- what do you believe is responsible for this explosion in candida? And um, follow up to that is what are some of the symptoms that are, are most common. I mean, people might be aware of like the thrush, the white, mm-hmm. the whitish coating on the tongue. Yeah, the, the extreme versions of candida are vaginal yeast infections and thrush in your mouth, which is typically associated with people with can- cancer and AIDS. But candida, candida and your biome is very sensitive to EMFs, as you're saying. So e- exposure to EMFs will do it. Traditionally, however, Candida is thought to be caused by antibiotic use, excessive mm-hmm. antibiotic use, like people who have been treated for acne with antibiotics right. or anyone who's on repetitive antibiotics. We know cortisone and other hormones in that family cause candida. We know estrogens cause candida. We know that HC, a lack of stomach acid or taking a lot of antiacids will cause candida. We know chemotherapy can cause candida. The one thing all these things have in common is they imbalance your biome. So anything that balances your imbalances your biome, like going in a chlorine pool and swallowing too much water, doesn't matter. Whatever it is that imbalances your biome will allow candida. Or the just reason is chlorine in our tap water. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> and the reason why this occurs is these these things that I'm just talking about 
kill your friendly bacteria, which protect the, you from candida overgrowth. Friendly bacteria, which would be bifidus in your colon, acidophilus in your small intestine, they feed on candida and they suppress candida so that it doesn't grow crazy. Candida is mm-hmm. supposed to be in your intestines in small amounts. It's when this food chain is disturbed that candida overgrows and become, uh, it becomes a dominant part of your flora where it shouldn't be. And what candida does is candida basically eats sugars and starches from your diet and it grows and spreads and that's how it feeds itself. And the end result of it eating these sugars and starches is that it releases toxic chemicals um, uh, different forms of alcohol and different types of mycotoxins, which are yeast-related toxins that cause all types of inflammatory reactions in your body. And the, sim- the symptoms of candida are very wide. Um, in one one article I wrote once, I had 150 symptoms of candida. Then right. when we combine them, we come up with maybe 75. So if you're going to say gas and bloating, you can have 150, uh, 75. If you say Bloating and then gas, maybe it's 150, but there's a lot of symptoms and no one has the same, uh, generally the same case. Although what's common is when the person first develops candida, it's common they go through a period of feeling tired, lethargic, and not know why. Mm-hmm. Then they start developing gastrointestinal symptoms. They start developing gas, bloating, constipation, or diarrhea. Then they start noticing that they're headachey. They feel flu-like. They're itchy. They just feel weird. And at that point, they can start noticing their tongue going white. As it further advances, they start becoming very allergic. They start having intolerances to foods. Foods will aggravate a lot of these symptoms. Foods might cause, cause rashes. As it gets worse, they start becoming environmentally sensitive in the field of clinical ecology, we used to call these people universal reactors. Now we know that there are people basically with leaky gut syndrome mm-hmm. who've had their phase two pathway, their glutathione pathway collapse. So they mm-hmm. can't they can't tolerate anything in their environment, cleaning solutions, cigarette smokes, perfumes, things like this. They can't tolerate. They get massive headaches. They feel sick. So that, that's kind of the spectrum of what generally happens with candida. Although I'll tell you this, I've been treating candida since 1987-88, and I am still shocked sometimes at the things people tell me in terms of what symptoms clear up when you start getting rid of the candida. I've, I've, had, I've had people who've had um, anatomical pains, things you would think a chiropractor would handle mm-hmm. that go away on the candida treatment. We've had people with dizziness that unexplained that went away arthritis all types of all types of illnesses between diabetes to um, migraine headaches just clear up on the candida treatment now i'm not proposing that this is going to happen with everybody i what i'm saying is you just never know what's going to improve on on the candida patient how the candida might be affecting them mhm mhm yeah it's fascinating and, and and especially with the changes that we're seeing recently, I mean, so many guys now are experiencing low testosterone, for example, and and women too, hormonal imbalances, and then they're supplementing with with hormone replacement therapy. You had mentioned, I believe you had mentioned steroids as a, a, a contributing factor to candida overgrowth. What do you see on on a a big picture? Uh, sort of like a macro level, if if someone is dealing with candida and that candida is the cause 
of low testosterone and hormonal imbalances, and then they start supplementing with testosterone. How does that impact a fungal overgrowth like candida? Unfortunately, there's um, the ability to utilize hormones incorporates your microbiome. Most people mm-hmm. don't know this, but your microbiome actually helps regulate hormones. The biome shuttles hormones between your, your bloodstream and your intestines as a way of regulating them. And it's also important in hormone conversion. So very often the person with candida who's taking testosterone has the testosterone flipped to estrogen. And typically they're taking a testosterone precursors like androstenedione, which can go either to testosterone or to estrogen. And in the candida patients, it also, it often goes to estrogen. Interesting. And there's a very real connection here between candida and what some might consider mental illness or anxiety, depression, panic attacks. That's one of the symptoms, the more advanced symptoms of candida that I actually left out when I was going through that spectrum of what happens. But yes, mm-hmm. you're 100% right, because candida is known to, to interfere with the um, conversion of uh, 5-HTP over to serotonin. Um, and there are other pathways as well, but candida definitely causes a lot of what we would call psychiatric symptoms, primarily um, brain fog. And mm-hmm. brain fog can affect people or people can interpret their brain fog in different ways. They could interpret it as just being, gee, and I, I don't remember things as well, or I'm depressed, or I have a loss of memory or however they want to look at it. But that's a, that is a big problem, particularly when the, when the serotonin drops due to having candida. Yeah, and... I've noticed that there's been a pattern with candida, sort of similar to Lyme disease. So I was I, I was fortunate enough to have Lyme disease twice. I got it in, in 2011 and then again in, in 2020. And back in 2011, most of the time, if you asked a physician about Lyme disease, they would tell you it's, it's an old wives' tale and it, it doesn't exist. Right. And then today there's more and more physicians that are becoming aware of its impact and, and other co-infections like Bartonella or, or Babesia that, that impact us. Similarly with Candida, if you ask a lot of allopathic doctors, they'll tell you the same thing, that it doesn't exist. What, what, why, do you, why do you believe that that is, um, I mean, there are tests that exist that can confirm the, the presence of, of a fungal overgrowth. Why is it such a, 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 a pernicious belief in the medical community that this is something that does not exist. In the, in the late 90s, I was on a, a radio show. I'm not going to mention the show, but it was a, it's a very well-known health radio show. And they brought in this doctor who passed, since passed away, who was a lawyer and a medical doctor and a psychiatrist. And he, he practiced at Downstate Medical Center. And he was some he, he kind of promoted himself as the quackbuster. Anything oh, okay. that was quackery, he was going to handle. He was going to expose. So I went on the show with a stack of textbooks like this, mm-hmm. and each textbook I had a um, a little like pen. Um, what do you call it? A paperclip yeah. in the sections where it talked about candida. So he began his speech talking about how all chiropractors are quacks and people who talk about candida are all quacks and all this business. So I let him talk, and he kept referring to me as a chiropractor, and I'm not a naturopath, but I let him talk. And then when it came to my, my 
chance to explain my story, so to speak. I just said simply, doctor, do you see these textbooks I have here on, on the table? He goes, yes. And he said, are these legitimate textbooks? And he goes, yes. And I said, are these textbooks that are typically found in the curriculum of most medical doctors? He goes, absolutely. These books that you have there are, are those are very legitimate books, and we use these all the time in teaching and in references and what. So I told so, so I said to him, well, would you say to me that if I read something in one of these textbooks, I could be pretty much guaranteed that it's true? And he says, yes. So why are you asking me that? He said, so I said, well, okay, let's look at this one. I opened up the book, go right to the page on Candida, and I start reading everything that it says about Candida, which is all going along with what I'm proposing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you know, that's um, – then I put that book down. I said, excuse me, I'm not finished. I went through four books reading all this data about Candida. This man went hysterical. He was hysterical. The the, moder- the the moderator of the show literally had to calm him down because he says, you're twisting it. That's not what they mean. They don't really mean that. You're taking it out of contents. He was just going crazy. And what I found out actually from talking to other medical doctors is uh, they're afraid of Candida. And one of the reasons they're afraid is because they've caused it. A lot of Candida is iatrogenetic, which means it's doctor-induced. Mm-hmm. The, the term iatrogenetic means doctor-induced or doctor-caused. And what causes them are the medications that a lot of the doctors prescribe. So medical doctors are going to be apt to say it doesn't exist because they don't want to be responsible for the fact they've caused it in so many people with broad-spectrum use of antibiotics. Now, on the the other hand, functional medical doctors, medical doctors who are studying nutrition and alternative health are going to admit that it's true. They're a a step ahead. But the average medical doctor, all he hears when he sees this is class-action lawsuits against him and other people who have over-prescribed antibiotics. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Adrenaline dominance is a hormonal imbalance that causes overactivation of the stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. That stress can come from sleep issues, too much fasting, not eating enough carbs or calories, poor digestion, food sensitivities, chemicals and toxins, wireless electrical pollution, drugs, dehydration, infections, or just the insanity of everything going on in the world today. And left to their own devices, any combination of these could throw your body into a state of imbalance. But fortunately, we're extremely resilient creatures and we were given adrenal glands to help neutralize the negative effects of stress. But here's the problem. When we get exposed to chronically high levels of stress, our adrenals can get burned out and they stop making stress neutralizing hormones the way that they're supposed to. And when these cortical hormones start running out or getting burned out, the emergency hormones of the medulla like adrenaline start to take over. And that's where we get a condition like adrenaline dominance. Adrenaline makes you feel overwhelmed, tense, anxious. It increases your respiratory rate, your heart rate, makes you feel wired but tired. It decreases circulation and it raises blood pressure. So essentially it puts you into a state of chronic fight or flight. And your body physiologically feels like you're in constant danger, even when you logically know that you're not. Now, over time, this adrenaline dominance can lead to mood fluctuations, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, ADHD, digestive problems, alcohol and drug abuse, low libido, chronic fatigue, and more. So what's the solution? 
We have to restore healthy adrenal function. This is not something that's done just by taking some adrenal supplement containing adaptogens. We do this by running the right labs to figure out where your stress is coming from so that we can get you out of fight or flight and back to feeling normal. What we do then is we optimize the way that you eat, train, work, and sleep to de-stress your life and allow your adrenals to come back online. And it's personalized based on your labs, your age, your gender, etc. If you feel like you're struggling with adrenaline dominance and you want help, book a free strategy session by going to biohackercoaching.com now and grab a time for us to talk. There, there's a lot of mistakes around the treatment of candida, particularly like if you ask, the, and most people that have it aren't even aware of what they're dealing with. They're, they're at a symptom level of awareness. But if, if you do get someone, at least this is in my experience with, with our coaching clients, if they're aware that they have candida, most of the time what they've done is just changed their diet and gotten so strict with their diet that they are then avoiding the foods that they have reactions to which, as you mentioned, could be in and of itself related to the candida, mm -hmm. drastically cutting carbohydrates, which, especially if they're physically active, can lead to other further hormonal imbalances, high sex mm -hmm. hormone binding globulin, et cetera, lower testosterone. Um, right. and, and they're sort of on this carousel where there's almost nothing that they can eat. It's like meat and vegetables. And then as and their symptoms are contained as long as they're doing that. But then as soon as they eat any sugar, grains, carbohydrates, processed foods, it's like everything comes back. It's like the candida was almost in hibernation or like a dormancy yep. and then explodes back. So maybe maybe you could start with some of these these approaches that are ineffective in the treatment of candida or, or just kind of um, put it into a, a hibernation mode. I'll take you through some of the highlights in my book and the discoveries I made about Candida, which make my approach completely unique to anyone else's. One of the first things I discovered about Candida is it mutates very easily. Mm -hmm. And in the um, and, and there's a particular book about Candida's adherence to the mucous membranes, which goes over the fact that Candida is, first of all, it's, it's a dimorphic organism. The word dimorphic means the ability to live in two different states. It Are you referring to like the, the single cell versus the hypha? Of, no, a fungus versus a yeast. Okay. Candida flips itself back and forth between fungus and yeast. Um, when a woman has a vaginal yeast infection, that's candida. When a person has intestinal fungal overgrowth, that's candida too. And it can exist in two different states. And candida will become drug-resistive when it's exposed to the same medication, whether it's an herb or a pharmaceutical, at mm -hmm. the point of about 21 days. Mm. After 21 days of continual exposure to the pharmaceutical or the herb or whatever it is, the mother cells of the candida organism start to impart data to the daughter cells, explaining to the daughter cells how they can genetically switch to avoid the negative effects of the drug. Mm. So this is where in my program, I have developed a rotation approach. So when we're killing candida on my program, we're having the person rotate maybe four or five different natural antifungals every four or five days. So a person will typically take one antifungal for four or five days, stop it, switch to another, and continue to cycle through these. And the way we determine which antifungal is correct to, for them is based on the testing that we do. I developed a, a unique urine test, which measures different types of candida metabolites, and from that test, I can select which herbs or natural treatments are the best ones for them. And then we know what they need to rotate. 
So there's that's the first thing most practitioners don't do, which is a problem. The second thing is, as far as probiotics go, probiotics do not work. I'm told the person has eliminated the candida that's deep in the recesses of their intestines and colon mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that candida blocks the probiotics from being able to re-inoculate. So therefore, in my approach, we don't give probiotics until we have gotten rid of the candida that's necessary to allow the probiotics to go back and stick. And right. we only use probiotics that are sticky strain. They're sometimes called human strain. And when we give the probiotics, we give them with an ample amount of prebiotics. Prebiotics are different fibers, things like FOS, Saccharomyces, all of these substances which which aid in the um, probiotics' ability to restick in the intestinal lining. When we have a person on a candida program, we do not give them antioxidants. Antioxidants are a literally like an antidote, because how most products, whether it's a pharmaceutical or an herb, work to kill candida is by creating oxidative stress against the candida's membrane. So -hmm. when you give antioxidants, you're actually giving them an antidote to that. We also don't give them a lot of vitamins and supplements because there are certain supplements that make candida worse. Vitamin D, copper, the element copper, coenzyme Q10, B-complex vitamins, calcium, all those nutrients actually make candida worse and can help candida defend itself against the medicine you're using. So these are a few examples of why my treatment's different than the average person. The average person um, practitioner who treats candida uses an approach that I I coined in um, a Yiddish word to explain. The word is ungapachka, and ungapachka in Yiddish means everything thrown together. Mm Mm-hmm. So the, the doctor will take what, I, what I'm doing in my program that I break down into specific phases because I know that this won't work until I, don't, until I do this. Mm-hmm. And then after I do this, the next thing is going to work, but it's not going to work well if I don't do this first thing correctly. And they'll take all these products and just give it to the person all at the same time. And that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's sort of two schools of thought with this and we'll, we'll get into the nuance that you discussed with the with the rotation of of natural herbs but a, a number of naturopathic and and functional integrative practitioners they'll use things like nystatin or even they'll combine like a nystatin with a diflucan and, and then sometimes follow it up with like a terbinafine for the antifungal resistant candida now i've seen that effective in the short term. But then, of course, I have reservations about going to such strong pharmaceuticals, especially ones like Diflucan and Terbinafine that can be very hard on the liver. Um, and the kidneys. Is, and, and the kidneys. Is, is that an approach that you have used in the past with, with things like Nystatin and Diflucan and Terbinafine? And, and do you use it at all anymore? And if not, why? I've learned my lesson. I tried it in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. working in conjunction with some medical doctor friends of mine. The first problem is those medications are not broad spectrum enough to kill the dysbiosis that's there because you never find candida by itself. You're always going to find candida with a host of protozoa, different bacteria. We call it dysbiosis. These mm-hmm. medications only address the candida. So the dysbiosis is going to remain and your flora is not going to come back because the dysbiosis will stop it. Then you mm-hmm. have the issue of the kidneys and the liver as you mentioned, much too hard on kidneys and liver. The amount Mm -hmm. of time that you have to take these medications to get 
um, a decent eradication then throws your candida into a drug-resistive state. So mm -hmm. we find that when people are, or have been on niastatin or any of these drugs for three or four months, when you test their candida species, they no longer have candida albicans. They have candida gelbrata, candida tropicalis, which are more resistive types of candida. Mm. That's why yeah. that's a failed approach. Yeah, it does. That's That's been what, what we've experienced too in many cases is that it seems like you get a temporary alleviation of symptoms and then things come back one, two, three years down the line. And, and it's just a cycle that repeats. And each time, if you go back to the same antifungal like nystatin, it's less and less effective. That's one of the first things I recognized when I was um, doing my research on candida. And it was explained to me when I understood about genetic switching and how candida becomes drug resistive. That's mm -hmm. why I came up with the, the concept of the rotation, which stops that. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of the natural treatments for candida. A lot, a lot of people uh, are aware of oregano and use that. You mentioned Saccharomyces boulardii, which is sort of like a yeast-fighting yeast. Um, That's a prebiotic. I would call it a prebiotic. A prebiotic, yeah. yeah. And um, some practitioners will use uva ursi, um, super strong garlic extract, what what would you consider to be like some of the most effective natural and, and I know you cover this in more detail in the Candida Chronicles and where for, by the way just to mention where can our listeners pick up the Candida Chronicles if they if Amazon they want to? Amazon. Just on Amazon okay perfect yeah. that's the best place to do it um, so what if 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 you were allowed let's say three to five uh, three to five natural herbs that would holistically address the dysbiosis in the gut, the candida and, and everything else that needs to be fixed? What, what, would, what would be your go-to? Oh, that's a rough question because it's, our programs are different for everybody based on their tests. Um, yeah. if, we, if we're doing a stool test on someone, we'll typically look at the sensitivity results because most of the labs like Great Smokies and Great Plains, they do a decent job of, of testing the candida species against a host of natural substances. So you have an idea of what it's most sensitive to. But keep in mind that um, something like Lomatium, this Lomatium is a North American herb discovered by the American Indians. Mm -hmm. Lomatium works differently in your intestinal tract than it would on a sensitivity petri dish. Mm. Because one of the things that Lomatium does have a direct antifungal effect, and Echinacea is this way too, but um, a large part of what those herbs do is engage your own immune system to attack the candida that's in your intestines. So you're not going to ever find that on a sensitivity test showing up. Mm. But if I had to pick, um, and I would probably go with the percentages of what we mostly see, it's not, it isn't by an overwhelming amount, but I would say I would use biocidin. I would probably use candybactin AR and BR from Metagenics. I would use a product called Colorex, and I would probably then go with either Lomatium or Spilanthes or a combination of both. As, as if I only had those products, just a handful to, to pick from, That's those are probably the ones I would go with. Mm. They won't work on every case, but they'll work on a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And, and do, so those are also, if there's, I guess, to take a step back, what percentage of the time do you feel that candida is occurring along with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, parasites, perhaps mold, and, and a variety of hypochloridia, you know, 
uh, call it sluggish gallbladder function, just like this overall poor performance and poor digestion in the gut. Probably 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not something that, that can or should be treated in isolation. No, it's because it's, there's what we call the candida complex. The candida mm -hmm. complex includes people with dysbiosis. Dysbiosis comes about when either protozoa, harmful bacteria, intestinal worms, or candida imbalance your flora. Mm -hmm. So that sucks in all those different issues. And then you find that very often there's a gallbladder problem. So it's, it's a whole complex. Mm -hmm. It's very similar mm -hmm. to the AIDS-related complex they used to call A ARC, I think it was. It's very, very typical. Mm -hmm. But it is a and complex because you get things overlapping. When you start drawing concentric circles around all the symptoms that are involved, you find right. that those symptoms encompass all kinds of digestive things like the mysterious IBS that people get. Then mm -hmm. you also have people with mercury and copper toxicity get pulled mm -hmm. into that. And then you find autism gets pulled into that because of the neurological issues that happen with candida. And it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you compare the tests that you use like is that something that people can order through you um and and no i mean no no we tried that uh, with the problem with that the test that i use it's a urine test the person does themselves at home on first morning urine urine that's been voided within the hour and mm -hmm. the test measures antibody antigen complexes that come from candida from their gut it measures free radicals that come from candida and it also measures um, something called indican which is indican's a chemical that comes about through the byproduct of putrefying proteins when you have parasites and harmful bacteria in your gut that putrefy the protein you eat then that putrefying protein becomes indican or actually it becomes indole indole is very toxic to your intestinal tract and kills your flora and the indicate indole is then broken down by your liver and it's excreted as indican mm. so those are the tests that we have the person do and the tests give us a real good real-time picture of what's really happening in their gut at that moment and they also help me select which are the best herbals for them to take that that's makes not something that's not something that we can do with the public because there's just too many questions. We're not right. we're not handled um we're not um big enough in terms of staff trained in this to be able to handle all the questions people would have. They'd have to be patients to do the test otherwise. It's not something you can do yourself and it's like self-treating for candida is very hard to do because the person doesn't have a reliable test to use as a benchmark or understand what they're doing. Absolutely. So that that test is is if people wanted to get that, what would be their approach? They would just call my office and become a patient. Okay. All and right. Makes sense. Would, that that's and that's a there's a possibility we would use that test, but sometimes we use stool testing, um, mm -hmm. like the um, the GI effects or the, the mm -hmm. DNA stool testing, and sometimes we use the organic acid tests that great yeah, claims offers. About those are so the we two use we, all, we use all those tests. It just depends on the person's case. Yeah, and some people literally need all of them. Some people can do well with only one. It depends on what they've got going on. Yeah. Okay. So this is this question is going to come a little bit out of left field, but it's 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 related to this, especially because you mentioned the first urine. I've heard more and more stories about. Are you familiar at all with auto urine therapy? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard a number of stories from people who have actually they they've claimed that they have healed themselves from a variety of of 
illnesses, including cancers, by drinking some of the, their urine first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that wonders, A, do you believe that there is a connection between candida and some of these microbial overgrowths and cancer? And B, do you, what do you think might be going on there in, in, in those cases where people are literally drinking their pee with that first, that first urine from the morning and experiencing a reduction and alleviation in their symptoms and sometimes even cancer? There is, there, is, there is truth and there is fact behind this. From a biochemical standpoint, um, the urine contains a lot of different metabolites that the person maybe is, is losing, maybe perhaps too much of. And when they put those metabolites back in their body, they're completing enzymatic cycles and completing metabolic pathways that can make them better. I happen to think that there are better ways to do it. Yeah, I, would, I would imagine, and that's probably not most people's uh, preferred go-to approach. It's, it's if, just... if I was to if I was to promote um, to my patients that I was going to cure their candida by having them drink their urine, um, I don't think I would have been in business for the last thirty years in treating candida. Right, right, yeah, un understandable. Um, so we've talked about what, what candida is and why some of these traditional treatments fail. We've talked about some of the risks of supplementation, particularly with antioxidants and, and you mentioned vitamin D and the B vitamins, um, and, and how your test differs from some of the, the more traditional tests looking for candida. Um, Okay, so after you've treated the candida, you've gone through this rotation, four to five days of a variety of different herbal supplements, then we probably need to repopulate the gut. We have and a precise, there's a precise pathway. We go, we start with phase zero, which is like a colon cleanse for people mm -hmm. with candida and parasites to eliminate the first layer of junk that they have. Mm -hmm. Then when they complete phase zero, they go to phase one. That's the rotation of the herbs that kill candida systemically. That phase kills 70% of the candida. Then we go to the first part of phase two, phase two part A, which uses fatty acid-based antifungals to kill the candida that's deep in the intestinal recesses. That's the candida that stops the probiotics from growing back. Then we go to phase two, part B, which is the probiotic and prebiotic program. Then when that's handled, we go to phase three, and phase three is the part of the program which very specifically tests you for every vitamin and mineral imbalance that you might have, including toxicity. We look for toxicity that the person has, toxic metals, toxic chemicals, which might be aggravating their case, and correct that. Then the very last thing we would do is we would handle their immune system. If there was anything wrong with their immune system, we would handle that. But those are the those are the steps that we go through. Interesting. So that lines up that lines up everything in the in the correct way, so that everything gets done correctly. Fascinating. Bowel, and, bowel cleanse, rotation of systemic killing, intestinal killing, probiotics, testing for toxic metals, toxic chemicals, correcting that, and then. Um, rebalancing any nutrient that they're low in, any hormone they're low in, that's all the third phase. Then the last phase, phase four, is to boost the immune system or correct the immune system. And after someone has gone through this process, what do they typically experience? Do the food sensitivities go away? What else do you see? Well, they go through a lot of Herxheimer reactions and changes. You know, one yeah. day they're doing great, the next day they're doing bad. But um, they go through that, and then eventually their symptoms, most of their symptoms will go away. That's where I said before, it's amazing 
to, to, to see what symptoms the person might have that you would never think was related to all this. That's mm -hmm. crazy. I feel bad for the people with high copper and high mercury because very typical in those people, they go through this whole Herx reaction and getting rid of the candida. And then when they, when you start getting rid of the mercury and the copper, they go through all kinds of reactions when that comes out too. So that's mm -hmm. the worst road traveled, I think, for the person. But unless they go through that, they're never going to get well. And and do you think that it's it is indicative that there is a is it confirmation that there is a candida infection? If someone were to take some of these herbal um, some some of these herbal antifungals or even something like a, a, a terbinafine or a nystatin back in the day, if they have a reaction and feel terrible, are you like okay, good? That means that confirms that you have it. That's how we used to do it in the old days before we had any actual tests. We would have the person take a candida remedy if they felt bad from it. We, and had die off, we knew that that's, that was the problem. Interesting. Because people without this condition are not going to feel bad when they can't take these products. Now, we've covered something before we hit record where I, I had just mentioned how prevalent this was becoming, and you had said there's a reason for that. Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> one of the things that we have found is that co when you have COVID, COVID makes you more susceptible to candida. I didn't think mm -hmm. this originally, but what started happening is when COVID was really was really at, at its peak, we had a lot of patients who we had cured of candida in the, over the years come back and say that they felt like it was relapsing. And then mm -hmm. we had an equal show of people vaccinated, people who had got vaccinated and then developed candida. Mm. As far as Gump would say, and that's all I have to say about that. Right. It's hard. It's hard to pick our words without triggering <laughs> without triggering the AI. Um from from your clinical experience, do you believe that, do you think that there are a lot of people out there that may have even tested positive for Borrelia burgdorferi or Bartonella that are attributing their symptoms to Lyme disease and co-infections when it's actually untreated candida? Well, the, here's the problem that occurs. I run into this constantly, and we we, we take a Lyme patient with this with this knowledge, anticipating this, the Lyme's patient has been treated with antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So the antibiotics, if it's done correctly with other, other medicines and herbs, probably will handle a good deal of their Lyme, maybe handle the whole thing. But now the problem is the antibiotics have caused candida. So they mm -hmm. continually think they still have Lyme because they have symptoms that are Lyme-like, but it's not Lyme anymore. Now it's candida. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I mean, what you said that reminded me of that is it seems like a lot of people that had had Lyme experienced a resurgence in symptoms with COVID and everything, you know, kind mm -hmm. of post early 2020. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the Candida Chronicles and like, you know, I, I know that's a, a, a something that you're very proud of and, and you cover the treatment protocol in there. What else is in there that, um, that you're proud of or that our audience should know about that is relevant to this, this journey and getting candida free. We go, we go through the principles that we, that I discovered. I call them the logics and the axioms of treating this so that you don't do the wrong thing. We, we have a, have all the data, everything I learned from people, because a lot of what I learned about treating candida came from listening to my patients and having them tell me what they did that didn't work and went mm -hmm. wrong. So we, we have we have that all very methodically laid out in the book. There's a section of um, recipes that we we went through that are going to work for the candida patient. 
So um, it, it takes them through a whole journey of really understanding what the what this is all about and how to unravel it. And then we go through each phase and explain how each phase works and what the goals are of each phase and each step. Do you have your patients cut back on carbohydrates and sugar, or are you of 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 the belief that you might as well keep eating it because if you cut back, they're gonna they're gonna kind of go dormant and and that'll affect our treatments efficacy? Here's the funny thing that happens when you have a patient who has candida. When they eat sugar and starch, they make the candida worse because they feed it; it grows. Then they mm-hmm. take the medicines to kill it. They the, it dies. You get die off. You feel sick. Then you eat the things that make it grow. They grow again. Then you take the medicines that kill it, and you get sick. And it's like a perpetual die-off that people are going through because they're mm-hmm. cheating on the diet. Mm. So you have to the, – the only – even if someone fasted, the candida would remain alive because what candida is going to do is the – the candida grows roots just like a plant, and it breaks into your tiny capillaries in your intestinal tract looking for glucose. So even if you were fasting, the candida would remain alive to some degree by getting that glucose out of your blood. There's the literally the, the only way to kill candida would be if the person died and they couldn't they all the glucose shut down. So it's that's just not going to work. You have to starve the candida. Starving the candida makes it more amenable to being killed by the medicines you use. But as I said, fasting, and you covered this earlier when you were talking about the person who goes on the diet and then he goes off of, and he's on the diet and all his, his, his symptoms are shut down. He goes off the diet and in a few days it's all back. This is the, mm-hmm. the same concept. We're, we're talking the same thing here. Right. And And how problematic is alcohol? Because a lot of people... Either, especially if they're experiencing some of the psychiatric symptoms and anxiety and stress and nervous tension, they're they're often self-medicating with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And and when when you're treating a patient, do you have them completely stop alcohol when, for when the duration can, of their treatment? When you have candida, alcohol is like throwing gas on a fire. The mm-hmm. worst thing is beer because beer is high in maltose, which is a a sugar that directly feeds these yeasts. They can usually tolerate. Vodka or clear spirits better, but too much of that is all is no good. Alcohol is like a a, a sugar that's kind of pre-digested for candida. Mm-hmm. It tends to be the optimal food for candida. Mm. All right, good point. Um, so, guys, if you are enjoying this interview with uh, Dr. Michael, go and pick up the Candida Chronicles on Amazon and um and and support him that way as we kind of land this plane maybe you could talk a little bit about uh health-truth.com and what you've got going on there and um for our listeners that haven't been yeah the the website health-truth.com covers a lot of the things that we do a lot of the services we offer there are a lot of my articles on there as on our partner website the new york city candida east doctor There's a lot of data they can get there. There are videos there that I've done that explain a lot of what we do and actually show people, some of our patients, how to do the home urine test. We take them through that step-by-step in case they have any questions on doing the test. So, And then we also have another website that's called the New York City Thyroid Doctor because candida problems and thyroid problems are so hand-in-hand, 
that website gives people a lot of data on what we do with thyroid treatments that are different from other doctors. Most doctors, when they treat thyroid, they, they know nothing about the zinc copper ratio and how that affects your conversion of T4 to T3, et cetera, et cetera. So we cover, we enlighten people on those websites to all those issues. But candida and thyroid problems go hand in hand. Yeah, it's fascinating because it, it does seem like candida is related to what many people call sluggish thyroid or hypothyroidism. But there's also a lot of stories where when people have had candida for a long time, it's almost like they, they experience like cachexia, like their body starts eating itself or the candida starts eating their body and they can't keep weight on. You know, they become anabolic. I'm sorry, yeah. catabolic. And then right. there's also the, the Hashimoto's that happens. Um, the the model nowadays a lot of doctors hold is that the person develops candida, they develop leaky gut, then they develop Hashimoto's because it's um, leaky gut is um, an underlying problem to a lot of autoimmune conditions. And most people, leaky gut is a very abused thing because most people actually um, just throw the term around. They don't really know if they even really have leaky gut. They just go by their symptoms. But there are nowadays a few leaky gut tests, which are very legitimate, which will tell you definitely if you have leaky gut, how bad it is so you can treat it. And so that you don't end up treating something you don't have for 10 years, which mm. is a common thing you run into on Facebook. If you start talking to people on these different bulletin boards or uh, website boards, you find out that they've been treating themselves with uh, leaky gut and they didn't have leaky gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Well, Dr. Biamonte, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for putting together the Candida Chronicles and, and everything that you're doing at health-truth.com. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with before, before we kind of jump off? Best thing for, the, for, best thing for them is just to get the book and read the book. I really yeah. tell you that's the best because it covers it from A to B. And I really enjoyed being on with you today. Yeah, thank you very much. I enjoyed having you on too and, and uh, very, uh, very excited about the work you're doing because the world needs it. This is very true. It's no secret that a ton of Hollywood celebrities from Sylvester Stallone to Suzanne Somers and athletes pay thousands of dollars a month for these anti-aging HGH injections. But not only are human growth hormone injections prohibitively expensive, they can also screw up your body's natural HGH production and may lead to more serious health problems down the line. This is where BioPro comes in. BioPro is the faster, safer, easier, non-synthetic alternative to HGH therapy. These guys have developed cutting edge technology that delivers the benefits of HGH without the downsides of synthetic injections. This stuff helps with your metabolism, insulin sensitivity, libido. It helps with muscle development, fat loss, athletic performance, recovery, VO2 max, power, speed. It's fucking magic. It helps with almost everything. What I love about this stuff, I look and feel younger on it. So go to bioproteintech.com and use coupon code biohacks and it will save you 30 $30 off your first month's supply. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and enter discount code biohacks to save.